Thank you for taking time to study with us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help us draw near to God through the study and application of His Word. If you have any questions or comments about today's study, or spiritual things in general, feel free to contact me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. Seeing and hearing what God is doing in the lives of other believers and congregations should encourage us. Not only should we be encouraged by God's work in and through them, we should be moved to worship. Today on Drawing Near, we hear Paul's testimony regarding his worship of God on account of the church in Colossae. I encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Colossians chapter 1 and join me for We Give Thanks to God. Before we begin our study today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come to you humbly today, recognizing that you are the God of grace and mercy, and apart from your work of grace and mercy in our lives, we would be separated from you and utterly lost. We thank you for your demonstration of love for us in Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. You desire to save lost sinners. And Father, you have clearly made this known to us through your word and your spirit, your gospel, and your Son. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And I pray, Father, that you would help us today to study your word, that we may know you and your desire for us better. Help us, Father, to live in obedience to your word. Give us the strength, the conviction, to do what is right in your sight with the help of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and ears to your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Colossians 1, verse 3, Paul writes, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. When Paul writes that he gives thanks to God, he is expressing that he's more than just thankful for what God is doing in the Colossians' lives. Rather, what he is saying is that he actively expresses his gratitude and his thankfulness to God. He worships God. His heart is so moved by what he sees and hears concerning the church in Colossae that he falls on his face before God and gives thanks. That's very different than a lot of our attitudes toward God when we are thankful. Many times, we're just simply thankful for what God has done. But that's very different than expressing our gratitude to God, thanking Him actively through prayer. And that thanksgiving is a form of worship. When we see what God is doing through His power, through His grace, and we are moved to gratitude, when we express that to God, we are worshiping Him. We are acknowledging who He is, what He has done, how He has loved and blessed and worked, And this is all worship, and God is pleased when we worship Him, when we give thanks to Him. The Bible tells us to give thanks to the Lord, all ye people. We need to acknowledge God's activity, and we need to be thankful for it. Not just thankful in our hearts, but thankful with our words and our lives. Notice who Paul gives thanks to. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he says he gives thanks to God, he is being general. We know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. So when he says he gives thanks to God, 
Who among that holy trinity is he thanking? Well, he gets specific. He starts out with the general, I give thanks to God. Then he gets specific, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives thanks to the Father. He's not giving thanks in this verse to the Son or to the Holy Spirit, but he's giving thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he gives thanks to God, the Father, and then he gets very specific. He gives thanks to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a reference to the unique relationship that the Father has with the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. And it is a vague reference to the virgin birth. He says that God is the Father of Jesus Christ. When he mentions that, he's not just saying that he's the Father of Jesus like he's the Father of all of us, but rather he is the unique Father of the only begotten one of God. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus' father was not Joseph. Jesus' father is the heavenly father. And Paul's mention of Jesus in this verse is very important, and we need to make note. He tells us some things about Jesus. First, he says, Jesus is our Lord. He is our Lord, Jesus Christ. The term Lord is not just a title but rather it describes our unique relationship with Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is our Lord. We are his servants. He's in charge. He directs. He guides. He leads. We follow. We do what he says. It is important that we nail that down in our hearts and minds. He is our Lord, and he is worthy of our attention and our obedience. Obedience is not a word a lot of people like today, but it is a critical part of understanding our relationship with Jesus. He is our Lord. We are to serve him in humble obedience. We are to submit fully to his authority. But we also learn that Jesus is the Christ. He's our Lord, Jesus Christ. And Christ is not simply Jesus's last name. It's not that at all. It is descriptive of who Jesus is. He is our Lord, but he is also the Christ. He is the Messiah. That's what the word Christ literally means in the New Testament. It's a reference to the Old Testament term, Messiah. We could translate this, that he is the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and we would be accurate in that interpretation. The Messiah is the promised anointed of God. The Old Testament prophesies concerning a coming Messiah that would deliver and liberate the Jewish people, the chosen people of God. When the Jewish people thought about the Messiah's coming, they thought about it with a great sense of expectation and anticipation of this promised deliverance and liberation. And Jesus has come as the Messiah. The Jews have not been liberated or delivered politically Uh, socially, culturally, just yet. But God is going to deliver them. He is going to establish them uniquely in all of the earth. But Jesus has come to deliver us, to liberate us from our sin and our bondage spiritually. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the shackles of sin, the chains of sin in our lives fall away and we are free to live righteously before the Father through faith in Jesus Christ. 
We were indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and now we have been delivered to be the children, the servants of the Most High God. We not only are servants of Jesus Christ, but because of his work on the cross and our faith in him, we are free to be his servants. We could not serve him before because we were bound in sin. But now our Messiah, our Christ, our Savior, has set us free. Then the last phrase of verse 3 says, praying always for you. He kind of bookends this verse. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. How do we give thanks? Praying always for you. But when he says praying always for you, he's not just saying that all the prayers they give for the church in Colossa to the Father are thanksgiving. He gives thanks in the midst of all of his prayers for the saints in Colossa. When Paul says he's always praying, I think that underscores for us a chief responsibility of the believer, especially spiritual leaders. Now, you can be a spiritual leader in the church, in the home, in your neighborhood, community, workplace, whatever. We all have responsibilities of leadership, spiritual leadership, in the lives of someone else. And we need to know part of that responsibility is to be lifting those individuals up to the Father in prayer and to be giving thanks for what the Father is doing in their lives. This is not just a minor little thank you, Father, for such and such and so and so. It is a time spent in worship and wonder, acknowledging and thanking God for his work of mercy and grace in fallen sinners, specifically those that we are praying for. That's why we give thanks. We recognize the unworthiness of these people, their lost and fallen condition, and we recognize that God in his grace and mercy, through the work of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, have done things in their lives to bring about their holiness, their sanctification, their sainthood. There is much to give thanks for to the Father. There is much to acknowledge in the work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we need to always be praying for one another and giving thanks for what God has done in the lives of those around us. Father, I thank you for your work of grace in the lives of those people around me. I thank you for the grace that you have given to my wife and my children, my grandchildren. I thank you for your mercy and grace in the lives of those people that I serve in the church. Father, help me to see, help me to acknowledge your power at work in the lives of those around me, so that I may, in wonder, in awe, be moved to give thanks, be moved to prayer, to be thankful for what you've done, but to pray that you work in their lives in a way that honors and glorifies you, that you would move them from sinful living more and more to the righteousness that can be found in Jesus Christ. Father, the extent of your grace and mercy is astronomical. It's inconceivable. And I thank you for the demonstrations of it that we get to see and witness. Help us, Father, to value it, to be moved by it, and to continue to seek it, to pray for it in our lives and in the lives of others. Thank you for the work of Christ. Thank you for his lordship over us. Help us to yield to that lordship. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. 
You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.